0: Sportsnet 590, The Fan.
1: It's Friday on the Fan Morning Show. Sportsnet 590, The Fan. A tough opening hour. We're looking for the vibe turnaround. We're working through some Blue Jays.
0: What hurt you more? Blue Jays negativity or Michael Block
1: negativity? The Blue Jays. The Blue Jays. I have more stake in their career success than Michael Block. Than Michael Block. Someone that I know will be chipper and excited to chat. Our Insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom, visit donvalleynorthlexus.com John Morosi, MOB Network Insider. John, how are you this morning?
2: I'm doing great. Good morning. I, I am here to bring some optimism Yay. as it relates to the local baseball team. Okay. How about that?
1: I can hear it in your voice already. I'm already smiling. Um, okay, where is the optimism? Just pour it on us. We need it.
2: Well, I'm glad that sometimes you have to have the, that rock-bottom game and then the <laughs> players-only meeting behind closed doors before things turn it around. Okay. And, and yesterday might have been that day for the Blue Jays. They, they, I think they correctly assessed when they met after the game. Obviously, we're not sure of all the details. But Matt Chapman did give something of a public summary of, of what was discussed. And I think he's exactly right they they have to realize that th- the schedule is not going to get easier, uh, that they have plenty of talent to navigate this division, um, and that they're really one good week away from, from changing the narrative here. But we're also now almost through the first third of the season. And and the reality is that the division around them is even tougher than it was last year. And, and so their road to the playoffs – goes right through the teams above them. And I think when you look at the big picture here, Eilish, it's not so much that Toronto is that much worse than they were a year ago, although certainly Manoa is not the same picture right now that he was in 2022. That much statistically is clear, but Tampa is a better team and Baltimore is a better team. And so, Again, this is this is the essence of, of any sport, and especially baseball, when you're within your division. You could be the, the same level of team, basically, but if your direct competition that you're playing 13 times a year is getting better, mm-hmm. your record's eventually going to get worse. And I think that's exactly what's happened so far to the Jays through one-third of the season. They're going to have to have their top performers, and that includes Manoa, be better over the middle third of the season or else, uh, or else that middle third could look a lot like what the season has been to date.
0: So, so what needed to be said then, John was that, is that precisely it? Like our big guys need to be better. Are, Are we targeting the guys who not necessarily make all the money because contracts are contracts, but are expected to be the lead dogs. Like what in terms of actual, Hey, we can put this into practice needed to be said yesterday in order for them to put better performances out on the field.
2: And obviously, for every team, it's different. And certainly, I can't pretend to have known what the what the transcript was in the, in the room, so to speak. I I don't necessarily think that anybody individually had to be had to be called out there. I think that it's it's not it's not helpful or even or even accurate to to say to Manoa. Hey, you need to care more because I think we all know how much he cares. Like that—that's that is not the issue. The issue is his slider has been too hittable, the command hasn't been there, um, and, and even the fastball velocity has dropped. I mean, the, the, the reasons are all there in, in public, and I really think in that respect that what used to sometimes be in baseball. These, these mysteries of why teams struggled now now with this world of analytics we, we all kind of know exactly what it is, and so uh, i I also think collectively that they're just they're, their lineup does not have enough guys that, that are giving i think dangerous thorough long at bats in the key spots of the game they they they're able to win the twenty to one laffer and, and have the have the grand slam against the position player but but when it comes to winning the tight games that are going to define this division, they haven't been doing that. And I think that, that to me, is is what their issue has been, is that often in situational baseball, uh, whether it's Vlad or others, they just have not been able to, to deliver often in, in those key situations. And I think the players all know that, and, and they probably didn't have to mention anybody's name specifically in, in that meeting. But I sometimes think that having that having the meeting in my experience has covering the game for a long time. Baseball, because you play every day, I think that is probably the biggest challenge to, to make a sort of larger philosophical point on this. The, the, the biggest challenge about this game, I think, is that the schedule leaves you zero time to regroup. You, you like if you have a bad if you have a bad game in in football, if you have a bad game in, in even in the NHL or the NBA mentally you have the time to take a step back and refocus because the the calendar allows you to do that in baseball. It doesn't they've got to get, you know, they have, they have a, another series to play. They have to get another flight, travel again and play a series today. And, and that's just, that is one of the hardest things mentally about baseball and how, Slubs, especially for teams that are supposed to do something like this one can really compound themselves very very quickly
1: yeah all eyes will be on how they bounce back tonight they obviously have uh, kevin gosman on the mound so a good start in terms of putting the right people out there um but yeah, you've you mentioned quite a few reasons why the, the Blue Jays haven't been performing as of late, but let's circle back on Manoa just for a minute because Justin and I feel uh, like we don't know what the next step should be. Is it a triple A start? Is it put him on the injury list for a little bit and give him some time? Is there something that is a tangible thing that they can be working on in these side sessions? I mean, they say that things are going well, but then he comes out and he only gets three innings and he's got the highest walk rate of any. Qualified, you know, pitcher in the MLB. Like, there's a lot of reasons why people are frustrated about Alec Manoa, And I guess my question for you is, what do you do with him?
2: It's a great question, and I I do think that the Jays right now have probably arrived at that decision point. Mm-hmm. Um, is there? I think the first question, the big the big question that it's impossible for any of us to know at the moment, is I- exactly what physically is going on that might explain where where he's at because much like much like the 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 long list of injuries that we get at the end of every um, stanley cup playoff run for any particular team there are there are things that are probably happening for not necessarily with but in general that we don't know about and and i I think that's always a, a natural first place to start is there something happening physically that explains the performance um if if not while I agree with you that that, um, that 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 the minor league potential has to be at least considered, it, w- it would be rather dramatic for someone who is who is this accomplished. It w- but it would of course not be unprecedented. There have been plenty of pitchers. I was covering the Tigers when Max Scherzer was sent down because he had struggled at the start of the season. We all know the story about the late Roy Halladay and his uh, his time in the minor league. So it 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 can happen, and, and honestly, it can help. I think Alec is someone who wants it so badly and and is trying so hard uh, to to get things right that whether it's skipping him for a start or or potentially i mean all these options have to be considered. Do you put him in the bullpen do you is is he injured? Do you put him on the injured list? Do you consider a an assignment to the minor leagues when you're when you have walked as many batters as he has walked and when you are giving up the kind of damage he 's giving up alish I, I there there's and it 's now through two months of the season this isn 't just a a bad stretch. there has to be something i think more substantial looked at and done you can 't just keep struggling and most importantly you could tolerate it if he was at least giving you five or six innings you can't you can 't have three and and that that cannot become a trend because that begins a process where you start to to really compromise your bullpen and and you might be rushing guys into a the game they got to cover more innings maybe they get an elbow strain and you've got even more problems so that that that's where this is not just an isolated what's best for Alec moment they have to think about the full roster and and of course they're hoping that ryu is is part of their plans in a you know in a month six weeks or so but that's not not right now so uh i I think that you know for me i don't have the answer but what i would say to your question is they'd better consider everything because we are past the point of of being able to just hope that things turn around because he's tried different things and it's not working
0: so there's plenty of heat on uh alec manoa and justifiably so but there are pitchforks and torches out for john schneider uh this week as well with things going the way they are uh, i don't i don't i can't really get there myself, but in your opinion, is there anything that John Schneider could be doing better to help
2: this team win? Well, I think that he he spoke to that yesterday it basically said it 's on me it's on the coaching staff you know, we've got to be better, which is honestly exactly what a manager should say in this situation i I don't think that we are at all at the point where where his job is in jeopardy or anything like that, I think these. I think overall, you have to look at the body of work to where they were last year and how dire things were when he took it when he took over. He got that team to the playoffs. I think he he is still, and I think that Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins think this way. Uh, they've obviously known him for a long time, and and they are longer term thinkers. That that is that's how they run organizations. And I think from that standpoint, that you look at the relationships that he's got with players, how they respond to him, uh, it, I think it, it goes without saying that I, that I think there's a lot of respect for him in that room, and I think they probably, collectively, everybody knew it was time for a meeting yesterday. I, I think that's that's a big part of it. Uh, so could he be doing things differently? I, I think uh, for managers, they, they always can try, and, and maybe you shake things up, maybe, and Honestly, that that sometimes that that meaning and or if if there's someone who's really struggling and, and you move them out of a lineup spot or you sit them for a while or in the case of Manoa, uh, contemplating what his role is going to be, sometimes when you make that one move that gets the clubhouse's attention, it's almost kind of like. That, that crash of a set of symbols that kind of gets everybody's attention. And I think that's where the Jays are right now. I think this is probably a, a team that needs, that needs a mental reset as much as anything physical, in, in my opinion. And also it, it will help when, when eventually their, their superstars find their collective form. I, I just think they're kind of – they benefited greatly. From Matt Chapman being the best player in the American League in the month of April, and and maybe as soon as uh, as soon as he came down even like a little bit, uh, that that presence wasn't there, and they're really they're really missing that that void where a superstar needs to be.
1: We have got John Morosi, MLB Network Insider, on with us this morning. Um, so when you look at the lineup and we're approaching the trade deadline, it's not right around the corner, but it is time to maybe think about how the Blue Jays might be able to bolster their lineup. It does feel incomplete at times um, as of late. It seems like we're not getting production from either the top, the middle, or the bottom. So if you're looking right. at the ways that the Blue Jays might want to improve their lineup, um, say they get on a little bit of a run here and they feel like something's attainable, where do you begin thinking about kinds of moves that they could make? And then I guess the second question is, like, what kind of trade chips do they have at this point anyway to be adding um, in a couple of months?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, Ailish. And I think that they because a couple of things number 1 we know of course that they they already spent the one significant chip in the off season uh, in Moreno to to bring in
1: Andre uh, Barsho
2: and and Barsho's <laughs> you know he's he's played there he's had moments but obviously the body of work batting 214 653 ops this is not that's not what they were expecting from him um but i i, I look at this club and and i don't see i don't see a massive Move like a massive blockbuster being the one thing this team has to do to to get back into things. I, I, I look at it and say, you know, Springer, health-wise, you know, what is he able to to give in terms of how often is he going to be uh, in in the field uh, based on it? So where he's at in his career, I think there's some good questions there. I think belt. Has played better. I think that that would be the easiest position to to change. Would be okay if your DH is struggling, but he's. I think he's been better in May than he was in April. And so with with him moving up the lineup, I, I think he's he's part of the solution and not part of the problem. I you know, Kirk hasn't been the same guy this year, but he's still your catcher. You've got Jansen too. I, you look up and down. I I don't see a big, natural blockbuster to pursue at the moment. I would say this, that that this, whatever conversations are happening at the deadline this year, it's all the prelude to the eventual what-do-we-do-here thing with both Vlad and Bo and their long-term deals. I, I keep coming back to that because that is the big decision. You can, if you say, okay, second base, Espinal, do we make a change there? Okay, yeah, maybe at some point in time, depending on how the second-base production is going, you're in Biggio and Espinal, maybe you make a move there. Uh, but this is a team that is staring down at a significant decision. Do you pay Vlad or Bo or both or neither? And and what does that number look like? They're not going to be able to solve that in the middle of the season, I don't think, and, and yet this coming off season is – is that massively important time. And so I think for me, honestly, you, you look at that winter, especially if you fall short of your goals this year, that's when you really contemplate, okay, like what, what are we doing here? If we're, if we're not able to win the division or at least finish second with, with these two guys right now in their primes, what do we do? Do we have to make it a different strategy to, to get up there? I think that – when I think Blue Jays and trade Ailish – I don't. I don't think so much about the, the minor moves they can make at second base to maybe address the team at the moment. Um, I think more about what do you do if, if you can't sign those guys and if you can't win with them because. At some point, that, that decision is going to be staring them in the face, and that might be November of 2023 in a way that we weren't expecting.
0: Uh, even your optimism seems to be waning just a little bit in that because that's kind of a bleak outlook, right? There's a lot of decisions to be made, and if you can't make it work now, who says it's ever going to work? Uh, maybe no blockbuster addition, but I'm going to propose a blockbuster subtraction. Uh, if things continue to go poorly, what sort of interest in the market would be, would be there for a guy like Matt Chapman?
2: And that's that's a great question, and I think that he's a guy that in his in his contract year, we would not have thought in the early days of this month even that we would have this conversation, but I think you 're spot on about uh what what he would bring. The interesting thing about about Chapman is what we 've learned in in recent years in free agency, which is there aren't a ton. Of of teams that need that need a third baseman uh, in terms of that are going to pay a superstar at that position because a lot of because we are in a golden era of the Nolan Arenados and, and Machado obviously with all the money that that the Manny makes uh, over in, in San Diego I, I look at a team that's trying to make a, a pretty big statement and one that I think would would really benefit from from a veteran to help them down the stretch. And that's Arizona. I think with Arizona now they've got Emmanuel Rivera who who, they, who can move around and play in different positions. But but Chapman is a very unique talent, and we know what a great defender he is. Uh, I would love to see if, if a team is getting close like like Arizona to to make. And they, by the way, they've got a really good farm system. They've we know already the conversations uh, when you think about the, the trade they made in the offseason with, with Varsho. So we know there's a good good line of communication between the two. That's a team that, that I, I look at it and really believe that they could add a major position player at the deadline. So whether it's Chapman or somewhere else, I think that they could they could do that. I also look at the American League Central and and the Minnesota Twins. The, the struggles of Correa to stay healthy. Um, they are in first place, and with all due respect to my, uh, my 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 home region here in the Midwest, the AL Central not. Not the best division in baseball. So if if you're a team uh, like the Twins that maybe has uh, a good a good record and the one team that's above 500, maybe you look at adding Chapman there. And I think even for a rental, you should be able to get a top 100 in the in the industry type of a prospect because Chapman is at his best still one of the premier talents at the position in the, in the entire sport.
0: Arizona works. Maybe you can get Moreno back. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, so, I'm, I'm fascinated with the Rays. Just watched them, uh, you know, the last uh, four days here. Uh, a lineup that costs so little and such a great team. Uh, we had Denard Spann yesterday on the show, and I asked him if there was an all in move for them, but, you know, he works for the team. I don't, he's going to divulge his hand. But when you look at that roster and you look about, at the opportunity to, hey, let's get aggressive here, let's try to bring in someone of impact, what is the Rays' all in move to put them over the top if they're not already?
2: That's a great question, and I think for them, they they will probably tell you that they're just very content to have Tyler Glass now come back, and when he's ready to roll, that they're they're all set. I mean, that's that is you're right. I mean, they, they might make a a move, and and maybe they're. They'll they'll sort of reassess their roster as they get closer to August first. But like you, I, I don't really see a lot of flaws right now. This is when you look at their at their everyday club. I believe every single one of them, every single one of their nine players in the everyday lineup, has, has an OPS plus above 100, meaning they're all above league average hitters. And when you've got a relatively small payroll and all your all your players are are above average, you're probably not going to make that many adjustments at the deadline, and I think that's probably where they're at. Maybe they make, you know, the Rays are famous for adding in one more reliever. Maybe they add a back-end starter. But they've got someone in to toss Bradley who they sent him to the minor leagues earlier in the year because they just didn't have room for him. I mean, that's that's how great this team is. It's And that's where the Jays and all teams in the American League, but especially in their division, are going to have to make a very clear-eyed assessment of this team and say, how do we beat these guys? You, you, the, on their one-off night, you, there's a, the 20-run outburst with an asterisk because a position player pitch. But then the next day, they go right back to dominating. I mean, they are they are one of the most unique teams that I have covered in two decades covering Major League Baseball in terms of what this particular team, uh, how good they are, how bal- how balanced they are. I don't see a weakness. I would always my my default answer to the deadline is always pitching is is. Variable and maybe you have to add a starter and maybe if you do you look at a Lucas Giolito uh, who's in his contract year with Chicago. But looking at how good that Rays team is, Justin and Ailish, I just I don't see a whole lot of players that they need to get from outside because their internal group is pretty darn good.
1: I guess I can ask you the same question about the Baltimore Orioles, who are yes. what uh, three games back? Uh, they've had a pretty impressive start as well thirty three and seventeen. Um, Blue Jays now at the bottom of the AL East, but I, I wonder where you think that the most the most level of success has come. That's been surprising. I think surprising is a good way to put it. They got right. some young talent, um, and then how sustainable it is, and if they're looking to go all in too, how how hard this AL East is going to be for the Blue Jays to catch up.
2: And that's just it, Ailish. Hey, this this division is so good, and and I really believe Baltimore. Some of the underlying numbers that that, that their projections, if you will, uh, some of the, the projection systems have them a little bit lower than than I do, and and lower than the standings have them at the moment. They are, I, I think, in, in Adley Rutschman. They've got a franchise player who's like the the new Buster Posey. And, and everything is kind of flowing from him. Their, their pitching is not as dominant as Tampa Bay's. They, that they are a team that probably needs to. And the guy that I had mentioned is actually someone who began his career as, a, as an Oriole in the minor leagues, and that's Eduardo Rodriguez with Detroit. Um, if, if he's truly available, depending on how the Tigers look, that's a guy that I that I would love to see in that Baltimore staff because they're a little bit young. Grayson Rodriguez, one of their top starters was a prospect, his ERA is up above six. So I, I do think at some point they may have him go back to the minor leagues and get some readjusting going on with, with his overall uh, season. But I, I, I think for me, their their need for a starting pitcher is, is more pronounced than Tampa's need, but I love their prospects. And they've got, by the way, the best farm system in the sport. Mm-hmm. Even after Rutschman has arrived in the major leagues, they're... they're Top end uh, position players down there, and Jackson Holiday is one. We're not going to see him this year, I don't think, but Jackson Holiday, son of Matt, is batting 400 at the age of 19, uh, and he's already at high class A. That doesn't happen. And so uh, there, there is he is a unicorn in, in minor league baseball. There's no one that young, that good. And I can't recall the last time I saw someone that young and that good. It's, we're almost like talking Bryce Harper level, uh, the last time we saw somebody like him. So not only is Baltimore really good at the major league level, they're honestly better than... Everybody else in the minor leagues, too, and that includes the jays unfortunately they're, they're just they're better than everybody uh, in terms of developing players so that's, and again that that is part of what has changed it's not so much that the jays are are failing in a profound way, their competition has gotten a lot better and and now this the, 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 the very frightening notion and it just kind of occurred to me i 'm not trying to make some big profound point <laughs> but but this is, this is where i 'm at with this the jays the jays window to win might have closed before it ever fully opened. When you look at how good Baltimore is now and is going to be and how good Tampa is now and, and will be, um, this is why there's such pressure on the Jays when the season began. And, and I, I said it before, and I believe it now, this, this Vlad Bow window is not going to go on forever. And, and the Jays have to deal with the unfortunate reality that a young team like Baltimore may have passed them by slowly without us really realizing it until right about now.
1: John, I thought uh, this was about optimism. Uh, we turned you, John. We turned you. Oh, no. Well, how I'm about- sorry.
2: I'm sorry. I, 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 will, I will give you some, uh, you know, by the time we next talk, let's Canada, hope we have USA? seen a great... Well, well. so by the time we next talk, let's hope we're, we're going to have a, a great U.S.-Canada <laughs> final at Men's Worlds, and, and we'll, we'll just focus on that and celebrate what a great tournament that has been. How That's that? what
1: I was hoping to end this interview on. I knew you'd go there, too. So, uh, yeah, big big semifinal action here. We'll see if we get a Canada-USA gold medal game, and then we'll talk next week, and hopefully wait. we got something good on our side. Uh, thanks for joining us, John. <laughs> Appreciate all the insight, and we'll chat next week.
2: My pleasure, Maybe our first goal since 1933, I would say that we're due. 90 years. 90 oh,
1: years. Ooh, I think you might be due. All right. We'll see how it goes. Thanks, John. Thanks so much. Thanks. That's John Morosi, I'm going be network insider and American hockey fan. And this insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit com.
0: Tough quote to close that interview. <laughs> Open before it truly, or yeah. close before it truly opened.
1: Oh, ooh. spiraling listening ooh. to John. It's okay. He came with... A level of optimism that I was impressed by, but then the ended with the level of doomsday
0: and reality set in.
1: Yeah, that was tough. Um, always a great, uh, a great guy to give it to us. Honestly, though, he knows it all. Um, let's go to something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum yum yum. I teed this up in the six o'clock hour. Nico Sparks and the bid that was, you know, quite celebrity driven. Driven blockbuster names. Uh, According to our buddy Frank Saravelli, he gave us lots of content today. Uh, More alarming details surfacing about the Nico Sparks-led bid to buy the Sens. Sources say within the last 24 hours, the Sparks Finance Group is still soliciting funding. This is somewhat of an urgent matter, the Sparks Group wrote to prospective investors. So they are struggling to find the money for this massive billion-dollar bid Even though they have, you know, TMZ's hot list of celebs all listed there.
0: Doesn't it always seem hopeful and it's like, yeah, we're just going to get 20 powerful people together and everyone will want to give this amount of money. Nah, you know what's more reliable? One rich dude.
1: Yeah, one billionaire from Toronto. One rich person from Toronto, yeah,
0: (laughs) is generally how this goes. Uh, I don't know if this takes them out of the running, but like the fact that they beat out other people or beat out other Mm -hmm. bids or groups or whatever you want to call it, when they didn't have their financials sorted is kind of interesting.
1: It is a tough Like Ryan Reynolds on the
0: outside. we He like sold a company for a couple hundred million yeah, so dollars. Did he, he not have to get ready for and this? he
1: say, oh crap, I should get back in there?
0: I think he's done.
1: Nico Sparks is...
0: Unfortunately, I think Nico Sparks is done too. So
1: how many are left? Two? Two, two or three maybe?
0: I uh, think there were three with Sparks being one of them. So three and minus And I don't know, maybe is... they get the money together. But if it's an urgent matter and you're soliciting funds, I think you're in trouble.
1: But also, if I'm if I'm the people choosing who gets the bid, do I want the the squad that just had to, you know, yeah, send you, a... You want the richest chain, person. A, a, what is it, a GoFundMe page for their bids? I do not good. Not I don't good. think that I'd be quick to pick them, even though they have Snoop Dogg. So and
0: neither Snoop nor Reynolds in the end.
1: Just billionaires. All right. Oh, the weekend, yeah, the weekend as well.
0: He was in the Nico group, yeah, right? Yeah,
1: there's a... He's it's in like a different weekend. one?
0: Weekend. Do you have any buddies? Kimmel Group. Oh, he's in the Kimmel Group. So the weekend's okay, still
1: so around. Okay, so we still have one toronto right. the group and connection.
0: There's Kimmel and Lauer. Apostolopoulos. Apostolopoulos. Maybe there is still three. That's Another a tough guy. one to say.
1: Three Toronto billionaires.
0: Yeah, just, you know. But we can only have one team in Toronto.
1: And somebody that knows that team well. And the inner workings of it. We'll join us after the break. Richard Petty, former MLSE president and CEO. Let's talk about maybe the Toronto version of Succession. Is that what we're seeing here? Series finale on Sunday. Do we know how that works in the real world? We might get a taste with Richard Petty on the other side of the break.
3: Sportsnet 590, the band.
0: real life succession that might be slightly hyperbolized but our next guest knows exactly what it's like inside the boardroom at maple leaf sports and entertainment our next guest is richard petty who was the former president of mlse and ceo former ceo of mlse and now running a small bookstore in amherstburg ontario uh my co-host here richard loves <laughs> hamlets loves small t- town ontario so to, before we get into all the MLSE stuff i want to ask you about amherstburg what's the vibe in amherstburg
3: well it's uh, it's uh well first of all good morning guys good morning. um it's a small twenty-three thousand heritage town right on the detroit river it's it's charming uh you can get your arms around it. It's not two million people. Uh, you walk down the street and you say hello to people. And and a lot of it's, what is it? A lot of people know my name.
1: Oh, it looks like the sweetest spot. Um, and the bookstore, we are looking that up online as well. Uh, River Bookshop. Um, I need some advice quick, though. Um, I need a new good nonfiction reader, like a memoir. Nothing too, you know, we're living in Leafs and Blue Jays landlight right now. I need something a bit uplifting. If you have any suggestions, you send them my way. I'm not
3: sure about uplifting. <laughs> uh, well, I'm I'm reading a lot of banned books these days. Okay, uh, because that seems to be in the news, and I I can't believe what. Uh, you know, people are banning. So that's kind of my focus.
0: Okay, so uh, in the sm- small bookstore, kilometers away, there's a big boardroom in Toronto that's had some uh, uh, some action over the last couple weeks. Uh, I know you don't have much overlap with the current regime and Shanahan uh, was there after you. Um, but can you give us some Shed some light on how an organization functions with Rogers, Bell, Tannenbaum, MLSC, how all that interacts, and how the chain of command and the information cascades down to an organization, excuse me, like the Toronto Maple Leafs.
3: Well, I can definitely talk about how it worked when I was there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, different owners. Uh, Bell and Rogers replaced uh, TD and teachers. Larry is the constant. Um, you know, things have changed a obviously Bell and Rogers in their approach. Um, There's also more layers to the teams. Um, You know, Brian Burke would be president and general manager and uh, Brian Colangelo would be president and general manager. Now there's another layer in between. And, um, you know, the, the challenge, like in all companies, there's a board that oversees it, uh, that they have to sign off on things. And, um, you know, the other complication is that there really hasn't been a president for a couple of years. Uh, one was in office for a long time, but invisible. Now they have an interim uh, president. And, you know, my job as president and CEO was to obviously run the whole company. The general manager said uh, one person. There wasn't two like there is today, kind of. Um was responsible for the teams, but I would run cover for them. Um, you know, I deal with the board. I used to say it took 20% of my time managing the board, and, and I'd help the general managers get their agenda through and approved. Um, I'm not quite sure how it's working now. Um, the, general manager, the president seemed to go right to the board, um, which I think is probably difficult for them because managing a board, they're a bunch of business people. Uh, they may be big fans, but they 're business people and they 've got other jobs and um and the and the bas in the hockey and basketball people they you know they 're running the teams that 's their focus they don 't really know the business side so i don 't know who the intermediary is who 's the person kind of orchestrating all of it. I'm, I'm unsure on that. I know that's a long answer, but that's my take.
0: No, it's interesting because uh, my next question I want to ask you about, you mentioned the layers. There are extra layers. Uh, when there are layers to a company like MLSE, what sort of obstacles are put up because of those layers?
3: Well, you know, that old game you used to play the communications chain. You start off with, with one thing at one end and by Broken the time you the other end, it's completely not the same. <laughs> Uh, There's going to be miscommunication. That's for sure. Um, uh, You know, I I think I'd be be as curious as you to kind of sit and and watch one of the board meetings now. Uh, It's 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 complicated.
1: Okay, so the chain of command, uh, something some, something certainly we've been looking at here and talking about it with obviously the information that we've got through the firing of Kyle Dubis & Co. I wonder what it's like to be hiring an executive when you go through that process and, and that's something that they're about to go through. And I know you were involved with that with Brian Burke when uh, that was a big move. What are the steps when you have to hire someone of, of key influence in an organization like that? And maybe the, the difficulties that come with that.
3: Well, it's, it is complicated again. And I think it's different. Each person, uh, approaches it differently. Um, you know, hiring is one part science and one part kind of gut. Um, you know, we, we did it differently. Um, you know, with, with some general man, geez, what are you hiring now? Uh, let's get, uh, let's focus. You're hiring a, a general manager, you're hiring a coach. You try to make it as disciplined as possible. Um, You know, there's there's the interviews, there's the reference checks. Uh, People are using uh, um, testing, psychological testing. Mm. Um, You know, uh, you could ask them to uh, submit a a whole written report. Over the years, we tried all of that. It looks like, you know, Masai is really taking his time talking to a lot of people. And that's his nature. He's really buttoned down on... And he's going to, you know, really make that decision in his own way on the leaf side. You know, we're not hearing, there's a lot of speculation, but we're really not hearing about many candidates. We've already heard about a dozen, I think, from Masai. And, and it seems like he's got more choice, frankly, uh, on what he's going to Now he's focusing on coach, obviously Shanahan's fo- focusing on a general manager, but you know, there's, there's ways to do it. I've found that nothing's perfect. It's, um no matter what you do with you know, whether you're doing reference checks or a psychological test, it's only directional and you can get misled and uh it's easy to make a decision and make a mistake and it's sometimes you're lucky and you really hire the ideal person.
0: So we know uh public relations is a pretty important thing for MLC, for the Toronto Maple Leafs, for the Toronto Raptors, for TFC, so on and so forth. Um And that's why the press conferences have been so interesting for the Toronto Maple Leafs and the fallout of Dubas and Shanahan. Uh, I mean, Shanahan had the really detailed and deliberately detailed uh, process and timeline to where he got to the decision that he came to to let Kyle Dubas go. But then there was the really brutally honest Kyle Dubas press conference, which was... uh, I guess ill-advised if I'm in Sh- Brendan Shanahan's head because he was, uh, you know, he was questioning whether Kyle Dubas should even go to the podium in the first place. When someone steps out from a PR perspective beyond what's planned or what's agreed upon or what's plotted, what what co- sort of impact does that have on an organization like MLSE?
3: Well, I think you're seeing it, and, and once
0: again, you know, you practice.
3: Well, I don't know if even all sports teams, and I can't speak to the Leafs and Raptors, but let's just say in general, you, you can go off script really quickly, or you might not even have the discipline that the individual, you know, sports is different than business. Business would definitely, a business thing would definitely be all really thought out, every detail. Because sports, you know, they're individuals. Most of the senior positions actually played the game. Uh, so they're a little bit more freewheeling. Um, but even if they're disciplined or freewheeling, then there can be surprises. You know, you get, um, you know, I can remember one Leafs uh, announcement. There was 10 cameras in the room. All of a sudden the lights shine on you and, or what, you know, some like yourself or someone else in the room asks a question you never anticipated, I can throw everything off. So uh, something that could, you know, you really thought you nailed it down, all of a sudden goes off the rails.
0: Yeah, 10 seems light now. It seems like there might have been uh, <laughs> upwards of 50 there uh, when this was all going down last week. Uh, another thing we've been talking about a lot um, and about successful organizations and what the Leafs need to do and what the Raptors are doing is the idea of groupthink. And we know because we've heard the quotes from Kyle Dubas's disciples that, you know, everyone kind of felt the same way Kyle did and he built Uh, A hockey operation team that was very in line with his beliefs and this organization looks at things one way and that's kind of been the dubious way and i wonder you know there's a balance between groupthink and constant internal struggle or a competition competing interests at all time in the experiences you've had how do you balance groupthink and internal struggle and friction and it's funny because they have groupthink, but they also had that internal struggle, and it still got the best of them. It, what what an or, a successful organization when it comes to groupthink, when it comes to competing interests, what is the ba- right balance there? Well, I, I do think you
3: need contrary thinking. You need that uh, ability to speak truth to power, and and that that's all about culture. Um, you know, we, we really, when I was there, and, and I'm talking business and the sports side, we really encouraged uh, people to speak out. Now they had to speak out irrational and hopefully backed up with data and facts. Uh, but we really wanted that. If you get the whole company thinking the same way, some of the people were like, why, why do you need them all? It's just really redundant. So that's a cultural thing.
1: So we're talking to Richard Petty, former MLSE president and CEO. Um, I wonder about—I'm sure you've seen in the media a lot of people, and you said speaking out, people that are now left in the MLSE room and the Toronto Maple Leafs organization uh, that are really thrown off um, and clearly emotionally. I don't know. Moved from how Dubis was uh, fired from his position or let go, and uh, the way that the last week went. I wonder how disruptive it can be um, to you know the inner workings organism that is a team that is an environment when there is a change at the top, whether it was predictable or not, and, and maybe what you think about some of the uh, the tension that might be going on behind the scenes and the, the alleyways or the leeway of coming out and talking about that, whether it's behind a, an article or not.
3: Uh, While well, it was a surprise, right? And so people are shocked. Uh, also in sports, it seems, and we see it with assistant coaches, for instance, you fire the, the coach and all the assistants are gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's the company in a business side. The company has to be in really horrible shape when you might replace the president but it doesn't mean you get rid of all the vice presidents or the general or the, or the directors that report to them. Now that may happen if the company is in really horrible shape, but tend you know, when, when I've gone into companies, you know, I looked around and geez, there were some really good people, uh, and you kept them and maybe over time, if found some, some that did not fit. So, you know, that, that's unsettling. All of a sudden there's all kinds of empty seats. The people that you worked with yesterday are gone. Um, you know they 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 just say you know when you hire a general manager or you hire a coach everyone makes changes so that's disrupting it's also threatening like is my job going to be Mm -hmm. there so I've lost a friend or I've lost a boss that I really liked working with that's unsettling but in the back of it geez am I going to be the next person
0: fired in big MLSE-level business, uh, is it common for self-preservation to get in the way of success?
3: Oh, sure. Um, let me see how... the way of success. Well, again, back to that truth to power. If if you're not... You don't have a culture that, um, that you're willing to speak up and you see stuff and you don't uh you know speak up you don't give ideas uh because you don't you know some bosses don't want to hear that so their self preservation comes in but that's that's always a, a bad company if if people are you know self preservation is more important than than doing and recommending the right things
0: uh, so you don't know, you know, the inner workings as it currently stands, with the exception, I guess, uh, with your overlap and working experience with Larry Tannenbaum. When you think about him, if you think about him, what's his challenge right now?
3: Well, Larry is the most uh, experienced person around the table and highly regarded. I mean, he's you know, he's, he's chairman of the NBA. Um, I mean, he's really well regarded, but he's 25%. Um, you know, he... He was a minority shareholder with teachers as well, but really Larry carried the day. He, you know, I, I reported to the board, but I spent my time with Larry. Um, now with Bell and Rogers, who actually, when they're not doing this, are competing against each other. Um, you know, he's got a tough job and he can't, you know, from a percentage of ownership point of view, he did not have any more clout than he has right now. But I think in a way he did, he did he did have more clout then and he was sure the guy i spent most of my time working with so i mean he's you know bell and roger they have to agree to everything that that's a real problem you're seeing that on the president's side it has it's in the in their agreement they have to be uh they all have to agree on who the ceo is going to be well you see there really hasn't been a ceo for a year and a half so they're not agreeing so i think it'd be it's going to be really interesting you're talking the salaries today of general managers and coaches, let alone players, are so much huge. When I left the Raptors, the salary was $57 million. Now it's, what, 140 That's in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing uh, what general managers and presidents of the teams are getting paid. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot more people when, the, when you go to the board and say, listen, we're going to fire the coach, and you, by the way, you have to pay them all. Uh, or we're going to fire the general managers. Usually there's a lot of money still owing. And then we've got to make a decision to probably pay the new guy even more money. So there's going to be some tension. And, and you know, Larry's the one who thinks about sports all the time. The other ones have businesses to run. Um, that, that There must be some friction there, too.
0: Uh last one for you and a bit of a pivot here. Um, what's the next stage in Toronto's sports evolution? Uh could the city use another arena, maybe a specific hockey arena? Is it another Toronto based NHL team? We know Arizona's in dire straits and has been for a while. Is it maybe the NFL? Like wh- what do you see if you look into your crystal ball? W-NBA? Which is maybe not all that fair. WNBA team might be on the on the cusp here. When you look in your crystal ball, what do you think's next for Toronto? Well,
3: first of all, you know, you see it in uh NFL teams that that window closed for us. Uh, the NFL teams are now. What did Philly just go for five billion dollars or something? I mean, we had trouble selling Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment for two billion dollars Canadian just mm-hmm. ten years ago. Who's going to step up to build a new football stadium and pay billions of dollars for teams? So I think that mm-hmm. that ship has sailed. Um, uh, you know, I've always thought that maybe. I really don't think there's another hockey team coming or basketball team coming to Toronto. I really don't. There's enough, there's enough uh, cities knocking on doors in the U S uh, uh, for both sports, that that's not happening, I do think that uh, the next NHL team should go back to, should be in Quebec city mm. instead of, you know, I mean, look at the list of, of, of cities that's being thought of for the NHL. Boy, they sure are not ho- hockey markets. And we as you said, Arizona's been a disaster since day one. And why Gary keeps supporting it, I have no idea. Um, so I don't think there's anything I think what might be the next interesting thing, do you do you split up MLSE? Uh does Bell take one team and Rogers the other and they share the arena or you know, the shareholders of the, the board of the Bell and Rogers say, you know what, we could sell the Leafs or Raptors or both um, for a lot of money and we can dividend it out to our shareholders. I mean, there's, there's, I think that would be something to watch more than I I really give low probability to other teams coming Mm -hmm. uh, to Toronto.
0: Interesting. I mean, we've been talking about how we love to be a fly on the wall, be in the boardroom. <laughs> but uh, when it comes to making decisions like that one, you know, kind of glad it's above my pay grade. <laughs> uh, this was fun, Richard. En- enjoy another quiet morning in Amherstburg. Thank you very much. Great uh, talking to you. That's Richard Petty, uh, former MLSE president and CEO. Oh,
1: That was, that was uh, succession-esque, but learned a lot. Really interesting. Mm-hmm. Great get there, Danielle, to get a little inside look into the inner workings of all these decisions and what, you know, similarly might be going on this week, next week, last week, with everything at uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and MLSC.
0: Should we give away some tickets? Yeah,
1: we should. To Dirks Bentley. Dirk Bentley coming to Bud stage on June 1st as part of his Gravel and Gold tour with special guest Jordan Davis, Molly Tuttle, Golden Highway. And we're giving away tickets every day until next Tuesday. So we're running out of time to enter. Tune in to the FAM morning show. Listen for our daily code word and text it in to five ninety five ninety. Today's code word is something real. Text something real to five ninety five ninety right now for your chance to win. And if you don't win with us, be sure to secure your tickets at Ticketmaster.ca. Dirks Bentley, June first. That's less than a week away. Something real, five ninety five ninety for your chance to win.
0: Very exciting. Very exciting. Well,
1: hopefully we get something real to talk about this weekend. Maybe some solidified Stanley Cup finalists. Maybe a new GM. Maybe a new GM. We're going to talk to Pete Blackburn. (laughs) Pete Blackburn, hockey (laughs) correspondent at Valley Sports on the other side of the break. His Bruins are long gone. So are our Maple Leafs. So maybe we meet in the middle here and talk about our Florida Panthers.
0: Love, hate, disdain.
1: We'll see where he falls on that spectrum. Pete Blackburn on the other side of the break.